Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to have you out today. How's everybody doing? You live out there this morning? Whoa, <laughs> okay, you're here. All right. Okay, okay. All right. It's, uh, you live out there this morning? Yes, there we go. Okay. I get it. It's always a little weird when the guy up front asks for a response. And you're like, uh, I don't want to be the only one. I get it. Totally get it. Uh, just a couple of things to let you know about that are coming up here. Uh, this coming weekend is Go Camp. And I would love it if you if you could if you're thinking about it this weekend to be praying for our students. We have about 20 students. They're going to be joining together with students from all over the county at Camp Furwood for a weekend of camp. And we are really believing that God is going to do some powerful things in the lives of our students. And so if you could be kind of throw that away up there to be praying this week and then this weekend as as our students are off at camp, that'd be awesome. Uh, two dates I want to just uh, let you know about in September. September 10th is going to be kind of like our our launch Sunday, launching into the, the new uh, fall uh, ministry year here. And so there's going to be some cool things happening that day. And then on September 24th, so if you volunteer here at our church or you are considering thinking about volunteering at our church, on September 24th we're having what we're calling Team Day. And uh, it's going to be the afternoon. We're going to have a lot of good food. We're going to have some just do some have some fun together. Talk a little bit about vision and some of the stuff that we're going to be doing this year as a church. And so September 24th, uh, keep that afternoon blocked off on your calendar. It's going to be team day for anybody that's volunteering in any capacity whatsoever or is thinking about volunteering um, in, in any capacity as well. Um, if your guests are new here, we would love to get to know you. If you have any questions, the way to uh, connect, one of the ways actually, is through the connection card inside this program. Programs are available at the back there and inside you'll find this little blue card that we call the connection card. If you have any questions at all or if you ever want to get baptized or have a child dedicated or any of that kind of stuff, you can always come up to us and talk to us on a Sunday morning or you can fill one of these guys out and someone will get in touch with you during the week. But we'd love to connect with you and get to know you just a little bit. Before we jump into the sermon this morning, want to just kind of uh, take care of a little bit of family business here in our church. Uh, so as a church, one of the things that is uh, that we're so thankful for is the generosity of this church. Um, this church really does care about the mission that we're on and is invested in, in where we're going um, on many levels, but in particularly financially. This, I just want to kind of highlight that this morning. We so appreciate that. And lives are being changed. Students are hearing the gospel. Students are getting empowered to serve. Adults are being set free from addiction. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that God is doing um, in and through this church. And, um, and you're playing a big part of that when you give. And I want to actually introduce to you somebody this morning. His name is Jackson. Jackson, why don't you come up on the stage here with me? Uh, Jackson is a part of our, yeah, sure, let's make some noise for Jackson this morning. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Jackson is a part of our network um, team. And so, I'm not sure if you, you know how it works, but we are part, we are one church of five that are all part of the, the CTK network here in Whatcom County. There's CTK uh, Downtown, CTK Southern Valley, CTK Bellingham, CTK uh, North Bay, and then us here. All part of the same network. And one of the, the really cool things about uh, being a part of this network is that we have a network team that takes care of a lot, a lot of the financial stuff for us. And so typically in a church, you have the leadership team is just a lot of time and energy is, is spent and invested in 
and, and doing all the books and all that kind of stuff. Well, we have a network team, and Jackson's a part of that team, that just does a, an incredible job for us. But one of the things that we just wanted to highlight uh, today is we're, we're in the process of making some switches in uh, how, we, uh, how we give. So there's a, a multiple ways that you can give. You can give on a Sunday morning, or you can give online during the week. We are actually encouraging people, if, if at all possible, to give online. And there's a couple reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons is that it actually saves the church a lot of money. So it helps the, the dollars go further and can be spent on more ministry. And the other thing is it just helps with keeping, keeping it recurring. So if you're anything like me, you forget. And so online giving is just a great way to help keep it recurring. So Jackson is here this morning. He's going to be hanging out here in the commons. And if you have any questions about how to make that happen, um, he's going to be out there. Jackson knows his stuff. And uh, so he'll be out there answering any questions that you might have. And even if you don't have any questions, go up to Jackson and say, hey, thanks for all that you guys are doing for us. And uh, just let him know that. So thanks a lot, Jackson. Awesome. Okay, we are in a sermon series called Flawed, and, and I'm stoked to be here. We've been this summer doing a uh, kind of like a big pastor swap all over the county where uh, within the, our, our network where different pastors are going to different churches. And it's been, a, I, got, I just got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun going to different churches and seeing what God is up to, but I miss being here. And so I got to tell you, I'm so glad to be here this morning. Um, me and the gym are not very good friends. I typically, when it comes to the gym and working out and all that kind of stuff, I'm from the camp that says no pain, no pain. Let's just keep it that way. So just stay away from the gym. Well, several weeks ago, I decided that it was time to, to get back into the gym. It had been about four or five years since I did anything in the gym. And I thought, you know, once you, when you get to the place in life where you're, you're pulling your back out of joint because you're shoulder checking on the highway, or you're experiencing fatigue from tying your shoelaces, you know, it's kind of time to do something, right? So I decided that I would head down to the locker room, and on my first day, I was a, a little bit apprehensive, but once I had my, my gym gear on, I had my little weightlifting app where it tells me what I'm supposed to be doing, I had my meanest, baddest gym face on, and I get out there, I was ready to go. Well, the workout plan on my phone told me that my first exercise was going to be an incline bench press. So if you're familiar with the bench press, it's basically the same thing as a bench press, but incline. And so... I thought, okay, before I, I, I can do this, no problem. I uh, did this a lot back in the day. And so I thought before I do this, it's been a long time, so I, got, I have to be just extra careful, cautious to make sure that I'm doing all my warm-ups. So I thought to warm up for this, this incline bench press, what I'll do is I'll just grab the empty barbell and bench that a, a few times. And I'm not going to lie, the amount of strength that I had left after benching the empty bar left me a little bit concerned. But, but nevertheless, I decided, okay, I'm going to add some weights to the bar. I'm going to continue on. And now I have too much pride this morning to tell you just how little weight I actually had on the bar. But when I got home, I had, a couple of my daughters were there. I have one of my daughters, teenage daughters, who's in physical fitness at the high school. And I told her how much weight was, was on the bar. I thought I'd be like having a vulnerable, honest moment with my daughter. And in my vulnerable, transparent state, she looks at me with all the contempt that only a teenager can muster up and says, Dad, I, I bench press that all the time at school. <laughs> and, and she wasn't joking was what made it even worse. Well, 
As I'm there at the gym, though, I, I, I'm pushing up this, this weight. I, I, this was my first exercise that I'd done in, like, so, so long. So I'm already, like, if you've ever been in that place in the gym, it's, you're, you're kind of, like, a little nervous, and you're feeling like everybody's staring at you or whatever. But, well, I barely push out eight reps with half the weight that I used to bench press way back in the day. And as I was, I was sitting there gasping for breath, feeling somewhat depressed, head hanging down because of how weak I am. This, one of the, the trainers at the gym who just happened to walk by as I was finishing up that last rep, he, he walks up and thinking that I'm just doing my warm-up, he says, hey, I'd love to help you add, add some more weight to that bar. And I'm going, <laughs> I wanted to hit this guy really bad. But I didn't because I'm a pastor and that just wouldn't be good. But there are a few guys in history who have had the title World's Strongest Guy. I'm never going to be one of them, by the way. But there's a few guys who have had that title. And one of the guys who has the title, probably the strongest man in all of history, is going to be the guy that we're really kind of focusing in on this morning. He's the guy in the Bible named Samson. Samson is this guy who has this almost like superhero strength that that God has given him. He just can do, I mean, this guy is an, an animal. And uh, Samson's feats of strength were nothing short of spectacular. One time, he fought a lion. Yes, you heard me correctly. He decided to take on Mufasa. And the Bible says that he won. He tore the lion apart like it was a rag doll. Another time, he single-handedly fought a small army with nothing but the jawbone of a dead donkey. And he won again. He took out 1,000 guys all on his own. Another time, Samson, he rips the massive doors off of a city gate. Now, don't think uh, the, the gate on the back of your, your, your backyard. He, think like castle, big massive gates. Samson rips these things off. He puts them over his shoulders, and then he lugs them outside the city limits um, a long ways away. This guy, was a, he was an absolute beast. If he had been in the ring last night against Floyd Mayweather, he probably, I mean, he would have taken this guy out, no problem. The, the, both these guys had nothing on Samson. Well, Samson's story actually ends up being one of the wildest stories in the whole Bible. Uh, this guy is, he's on one hand, he's physically strong, but he's very weak in just about every single other category. He's shallow, he's rude, he's mean, he has anger issues, lust issues. This guy is seriously flawed, and we're going to be diving full on into Samson's story this morning. His life actually kind of starts off being fairly wholesome. He's, he, he has a pretty positive upbringing. His story is found in the book of Judges in the Bible, and it's, it's found in chapters 13 through to 16. But we start off by reading how, how Samson is miraculously conceived. His mom it has been childless. The Bible says she was unable to give birth until one day God miraculously heals her and gives her little baby Samson. And Samson's life from before the time he was born is dedicated to God's service. So God comes along to Samson's dad and mom and says, okay, this, this kid you're going to have is a pretty special guy. He's going to have a, there's a plan. He has a purpose. And his job is going to be to take out the Philistines. Now, if you've been around church, you've heard of these guys before. The Philistines are the enemy of Israel. They're constantly bullying and oppressing the Israelites. And Samson's mission in life is going to be to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And as Samson grows up, the Bible tells us about how he was blessed by God and about how God's spirit was stirring him. It sounds like this 
this guy is going to grow up to be one of these exceptional kids that graduates top of the class, you know, goes off to college, gets a good paying job, marrying a nice girl, have some kids, have be a roaring success in life. But then the first chapter of Samson's life ends, he's all grown up, and then the next chapter starts in a shocking way. It leaves you wondering, okay, what happened to the Samson that we read about in chapter 13? Because chapter 14 starts off by saying this. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Now there's a lot wrong with this little scene right here. But just a few things that, that I see here. First off, she's a Philistine. Um, remember, they're the enemy. This lady is one of the bad guys. Samson's job is to go out and conquer the Philistines, not to marry the Philistines. It's like Luke Skywalker marrying a stormtrooper. It's just not supposed to happen. This guy has no discernment whatsoever. Second problem is that Samson is asking his mommy and daddy to go get him the girl. Now, how strong is the guy really if he's asking his dad and mom to go get the girl for him? You know what I'm saying? So to all the young men in the room today, if you see a girl that you want to date, don't go send your mom to ask her out for you, okay? Just don't do that. That, that would not be good. There's another way to do it. But Samson, he asks his mom and dad, he kind of stoops to the lowest rung of the ladder and says, hey, go get this girl for me. He's kind of like a coward. Third problem with this little scene, Samson doesn't even know this girl. He has simply seen her. He's so shallow that he wants to marry a girl strictly off of her looks. He, he sees her, and he's like, she's fine. I want to marry her. That's not love. That's actually called lust. And it's reckless, and it's stupid. Last big problem in this little scene is that not only is Samson cowardly, reckless, and lustful, he also ha he's rude and disrespectful like a spoiled little brat. He says to his dad and mom, go get her for me. Now, who talks to their parents like that? Samson does. Now, after hearing initially about how Samson has this positive upbringing and about how he's just got this purpose and God's spirit is, is stirring in him, you might be tempted to think that this little scene right here, maybe he's just having a bad day. And everybody has a bad day. Maybe Samson just a bad day. He doesn't have a lot of judgment. He's just kind of being short and rude with his parents. Well, nothing could be further from the truth for whatever reason. Samson has not grown up into a fine young man. He actually grows up into being a total disaster. He's a man who has just enormous flaws, and yet still, he's a man of faith, a man who God is going to work through in extraordinary ways. And if you're just joining us for this summer series that we're in right now, it's called Flawed. And in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at how how God works through people like you and me, inviting us into his story, inviting us into his mission, even though we're just ordinary, jacked up, messed up, broken down, flawed people. And he's been doing this since the beginning of time. God has this thing for not only rescuing broken, flawed people, but then he loves to take it even further and invite them into his plan and work through flawed people to bring transformation to this world. And what he does is he puts his light inside of us so that we'll shine in the darkness, pointing people to him, helping him advance his kingdom of light, 
The Bible says it like this. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God takes the darkness in our hearts. It's there because of sin. And when we put our faith and trust in him, it's like he comes and just floods it with his light. It's like a, re a reverse eclipse going on here. And this light we've been given is, is a great, great treasure. Now, when you think of a great treasure and when you think of where you'd like to put and store that treasure, you typically will think, okay, I want to put this treasure I'm gonna, in, in, in a display case that's expensive, it's fancy, it's all this kind of stuff. Well, that's not how it works with God. The, in fact, the Bible says it like this. It says that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This treasure is in jars of clay. That's us. Ordinary, simple, breakable, flawed. Yet God puts this treasure in us for a reason, and that's to show this great power, everything that he's going to be doing in and through our lives is not of our own. It's, it's from God. And this brings us back to Samson. This dude has a solid upbringing, but somewhere along the way, his life just goes sideways. And there's a phrase in the Bible that's actually used a lot during Samson's era to describe the spiritual state of the people of Israel. And it simply, simply says this. It says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Nobody really cared about truth. Whatever seemed right, whatever seemed pleasing to do, that's just what you did. Nobody was going to tell you otherwise. This sounds very similar to living in 21st century postmodern Western culture where truth is relative. You just do what you want to do. There's no absolutes, no right and wrong. It's just everybody for himself. Everybody do as you please. Well, Samson, he embodies this line of thinking to the nth degree. He was his own boss. And as still happens today, when you decide to do things your way and not God's way, it leads to a life that, that ends up being um, a wreck. Samson's life story is one train wreck after another. He ends up marrying this Philistine woman from Timnah, but during the wedding reception, so at the wedding reception, he loses a bet. The wager was for 30 garments of clothing, and can I just say what a stupid thing to wager for, especially for a guy, you know us guys, we just need three or four pairs of jeans and a couple t-shirts and we're good to go. Samson, though, he, he bets 30 garments of clothing, he loses and then to pay his loss, he goes out and attacks 30 Philistine men and steals all of their clothes. Another time, he's so ticked off at the Philistines that he sets fire to all their vineyards, utterly destroying their livelihood. The Philistines are so mad, they end up murdering all of his in-laws. Samson, he is full of rage, and he, to take revenge, the Bible says he attacks them viciously and slaughters many of them. And then from there, his life doesn't have a turnaround. In fact, it just keeps going down kill even more and more. Samson has this big time lust issue. He ends up spending the night with a prostitute. Then from there, he actually he ends up following for, this, uh, following for this shady lady who's a shady character. Her name is Delilah. Delilah would end up selling out Samson by giving away the secret to his great strength. She tells the Philistines that, hey, if you cut this guy's hair, he's going he's gonna to be weak. Samson's life is a mess. I mean, he is one flawed dude. Eventually, when the Philistines discover the secret to Samson's strength, they discover it's his long hair. They come along, they cut his hair, then they overpower him, 
Then they imprison him. While in prison, Samson ends up committing suicide, and he does it in dramatic fashion. One day while he's in prison, the Philistines are having this big, massive gathering in their temple. There's about 3,000 Philistine men and women gathered to worship their false god named Dagon. And for entertainment, they decide to bring out Samson. And so Samson comes out, and while he's there, the, the crowds are mocking him. And Samson puts in one last request to God. He prays this prayer. He says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me, with, let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then he pushes the pillars down and the whole temple collapsed on all the people, including Samson. And with that, we're just going to wrap up in prayer and head on home this morning. No, not really. <laughs> this isn't exactly a feel-good story, though, is it? It's just not a feel-good story. I mean, even in his final moments, it's not like this this God moment where he just is humble before God. No, he wants revenge on the Philistines. So God, help me get revenge on these guys. He's flawed, but here's the crazy, crazy thing to me. He makes it into the Bible's Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about the men and women of the Bible who had faith, the kind of faith that consisted of confidence in things hoped for and in assurance about what you can't see. He had this kind of faith that Hebrews 11 chapter 1 says, it's the kind of faith that is worth commending somebody for. Samson, this guy that we just read about. And in the bit of time that we have left this morning, what, I, what I'd love to do is just pull, pull a few things out of this man's story that I believe God wants to work through to encourage us, to direct us, and, and to, to build us up today. First thing is this, if you're taking notes, your greatest strength can become your greatest weakness when you remove God from the picture. When you remove God from the picture, your greatest strength can become your greatest weakness. And there's no question that God gives us strengths. All you have to do is read through uh, the, the books of the Bible, um, 1 Corinthians 12 and, and chapter 14, it talks all about God giving strengths and God giving gifts and abilities and talents and all that kind of stuff. God does that. The, the ease with which you make new friends, that is a strength that God gives you. Your ability to lead, that your soft, tender heart, your knack for making money, your drive to achieve big things, you only have these strength, strengths because of God. Yes, he works through your upbringing, he works through your parents, he works through your your, your coaches, your friends, your teachers to equip you and to build you up. But at the end of the day, the strengths that you have are from God. And without God, those strengths can all go sideways. A leader becomes controlling and manipulative. A soft-hearted parent becomes enabling as they, 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 they don't set boundaries around a child who ha who's addicted to drugs. A wealthy person becomes greedy, willing to cut any corners necessary to make that extra buck. An overachiever, someone who's all about big things, they, they achieve big things, but at the expense of their family and their own personal health. Strength becomes weakness. And Samson here is physically strong, but he uses that strength in just ruthless ways. Not in a godly way, but in a godless way. And the key to keeping your strength in check is to keep that strength submitted to the God who gave it to you in the first place. 
is to walk humbly with God and, and, and to keep that, that perspective that, no, this is, this is from God, and without God, I wouldn't even have this in the first place. Samson, he clearly forgot that his strength was from God. When you read through the story of how Delilah betrayed him, it's obvious in that story that, that Delilah wants the secret of Samson's strength so that she can sell him out, so that she can betray him to the Philistines. I mean, Samson sees that. He tells her the secret, uh, well, a, a false secret three times, and every time the Philistines rush in, they try to capture him, and then he breaks out. I mean, he knows that, sh that she wants to sell him out, and yet he tells her the secret of his strength anyways. How do you explain that? I think the only way you explain that is by the, coming to the conclusion that Samson actually didn't think there was a secret. He thought that he was strong because he'd been bench pressing and he'd been drinking some protein shakes and it was all his strength anyways. And, and in the end, it, it brings him completely down. It's not until he's in a place of complete weakness again, imprisoned, blinded, being mistreated in front of 3,000 Philistines, that he acknowledges once again that God is his strength. He says, God, help me. God, I can't do this. God, help me push down this building. Listen, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. It's keeping Jesus central in your life, walking humbly, refusing to allow pride and conceit to gain any kind of foothold in your heart. It's acknowledging your total dependence on God for, for the strength that you have. It's keeping the same heart posture of Paul who penned these words, well-known words. He said, I can do all things. And, and you'll notice if you've read it on the screen or you've heard this verse before, that it doesn't stop right there. He doesn't come along and say, I can do all things. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not me. It's God. Don't let your strength become a weakness. Keep it humbly dependent on Jesus. Something else that we learn from, from Samson in this, this crazy story is that the place of weakness you're asking God to take away just might be the place of weakness that he led you to in the first place. I'll say that one more time. The place of weakness you're asking God to take away just might be the place of weakness that he led you to in the first place. Samson has one, a lot of weaknesses, but one glaring weakness, and that's a weakness for, for women. He's a ladies' man. He's a player. He's got this lust issue. He just cannot control himself. This place of weakness, though, can be either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how he responds to that. Let me just explain. Remember the story of the Israelites? The Israelites, they've been in captivity to Egypt. Uh, the Egyptians had been oppressing them. They cry out to God. God comes along. He delivers them. The nine plagues, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Israel finally has freedom. They leave Egypt. They're off to the promised land. They're excited about God. They're excited about Moses, their new leader, all this stuff. Everything's going awesome. And then God comes along, and he does a very unexpected thing. Rather than just take them on the easy route to the promised land, he, he takes them leads them to the Red Sea, this giant impassable body of water. And as the Egyptian, Egyptians, they change their mind, and, and rather than letting them go, they decide they're going to chase down the Israelites. And as they do that, the Israelites find themselves trapped. The Red Sea's on this side. The Egyptians are on this side. 
they are in a place of weakness, a place of vulnerability, a place they don't want to be in. But get this, it's also a place that God led them to. And as they're in this place, they are actually freaking out like most of us, not all of us would be doing. They're, they're scared. They don't know what to do. At least most of them don't know what to do. One guy actually does know what to do, and that's Moses. Moses looks out at the people, and he says this. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Lord himself will fight for you. He's saying you are in a place of weakness. You are in a place of vulnerability. Just stay calm. God's going to fight for you. And if you are familiar with the story, you know how it goes. God does fight for them. He parts the Red Sea. Israel walks through. And then when they're on the other side, the Egyptians come to walk through. God causes the water to cave in on the Egyptians. And Israel is in a place of total freedom. And as they're standing there on the other side of the Red Sea, listen to how things have changed dramatically for the people of Israel. They sing this song with, with these words. The Lord is my strength and my song. Bit of, a different, bit of a different tune, isn't it? And he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. God led them to a place of weakness so that he could show himself strong. And so that they could know him as their strength. Now, all of us in this room today, we have a place of weakness. I don't know what your place of weakness is. I don't even know how you got to that place of weakness. But maybe, just maybe, God has led you there for a reason. He's led you there so that you could press into Jesus and then be given the opportunity to watch how, how this great God that we serve can work on your behalf. So how does this all tie in with Samson? Well, Samson was strong, but Samson was weak. He has this, this greatest weakness, this issue with lust, same weakness that so many struggle with today. Samson is a weak man, but unlike Moses, there is no record of Samson pressing into Jesus in his weakness. You're not going to read anywhere in the Bible where Samson opens up with a group of trusted friends and says, hey, I've got this issue. I am, I'm getting my butt kicked here. I need you to pray for me. I need your support. I need you to, to, to help me here. There's no record of Samson crying out to God saying, God, I've messed up again. God, I'm weak. God, I'm desperate. God, I need you. There is none of that whatsoever. Instead, all you're going to find is Samson caving over and over again to his weakness. You see, the difference between Samson and Moses is that Samson saw his weakness as just that, a weakness. Something to trip you up, something to, to bring you down. But Moses, on the, other stand, he, on the other hand, he saw his weakness as a gift. It was something that God allowed him to experience not to crush him, not to destroy him, but so that they would depend on God, and in the end, they would know God in this, this whole new way. My question for us this morning is, what is your place of weakness? What is your place of weakness? It, it could be a temptation that you're just susceptible to. It could be a, a physical weakness. It could be a character flaw. It could be an insecurity that you just can't seem to shake. What's your place of weakness and what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let that weakness drive you away from, from God? Or are you going to let that weakness push you into the hands of Jesus? Where you, you go to this place where you're just depending on God. The choice is yours. 
Then the last thing that, that we see from this story of Samson is this, that, that God does not need your strength. God does not need your strength. Instead, he asks for your weakness. He asks for your, for your weakness. And this, this point right here actually gets to the heart of the gospel. It gets to the heart of the gospel. You see, it's, it's our self-righteousness, our self-confidence, our self-sufficiency, all these things the, that, that we think are strengths, they do what? They actually keep us from Christ. They keep us away from God. And, and we live in a world that says, I mean, just pump up self. Be self-confident. Love yourself. You can do it. Believe in yourself. Promote yourself. You have what it takes. The gospel in their hand says, no, you don't. You don't. You, you, you're flawed. You need Jesus more desperately than you ever know. But for the grace of God in my life, I am a totally depraved, unrighteous sinner deserving of nothing but the, the wrath of God. But when I come to God in my weakness, when I come to God in confessing my sin, inviting him into my life, he does what only he can do. He comes in, he takes my heart of, of stone and he transforms my heart, he transforms my life. He makes me into a new creation, but he does all of that when I bring him my weakness. And it doesn't just work like this when we're talking about, about salvation. This is how it works all the time for the follower of Jesus. When we come to him in our weakness, when we offer ourselves fully to him, he does what only he can do when we come to him in our weakness. I love how the Apostle Paul, he, he writes a ton about this. And if you have some time today, read through 2 Corinthians 12. But just a little bit of what, what he says there is this. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about not my strengths, but he says, I'll boast about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I, this is the key, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Samson, he thinks his strength makes him something pretty special. But he's not. God could have worked through a thousand other people in a thousand different ways to do the work that he wanted Samson to do. He wasn't actually looking for Samson to be strong. He was actually looking for Samson to be weak. For Samson to come before him and say, God, I I need you. And the interesting thing about Samson's life and his whole journey is that Samson, the point that he accomplished the most for God was actually in his place of, of where he was most weak. So God, remember how God says, this, this kid, his, his job in life is going to be to, to bring freedom to the Israelites from the Philistines. That's his job in life. And Samson did a little bit of that along the way. He kind of I mean, the route he, he took it was kind of a crazy route. But Samson actually will do the most in this area that God has called him to do when he's at a place of utter helplessness and weakness. He's standing there in that temple between these two pillars, and God comes through for him when he's at this place where he's most weak. And listen to what the Bible says. It says, then he, then Samson pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. In other words, he did more for God in his weakness than he ever did 
in his strength. And the point of Hebrews 11 is not to highlight the heroes of the faith. You know, we've got this chapter wrong in the church. We think it's all about highlighting the heroes of the faith and going, I just got to try really hard to be like that. I got to try really hard to have that crazy faith like Noah who built the ark in the middle of nowhere. I got to be, I got to be like David who just went out. And I got to try really hard and just be strong and, and just be all that. That's actually not the point of Hebrews 11. If it was, why, why is Samson, why is he in, the, in that chapter? The point of Hebrews 11 is to encourage you and me to act in faith in spite of our flaws and weaknesses. It's to act in faith despite of our flaws and weaknesses. To say, God, yeah, I'm, I'm weak. God, I, I bring my weakness to you. And God, I, I'm going to push into you. I'm going to press into you. And I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me despite my flaws and weaknesses. And when we do this, the, the Bible talks about in that verse we read how his light will shine forth brightly in our hearts. God's going to show himself strong on our behalf. And in the end, the hero of the story is not going to be us. The hero of the story is going to be Jesus. And you can look at Samson's life and you look back and you go, man, yeah, his life was a train wreck. He, he was a flawed guy. But one thing that you can't ignore and deny is that the hero of that story is Jesus. Jesus comes through big. And so let's be people that, that come to God and offer him our weakness and say, God, I am broken. I am flawed. But God, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm coming to you. Let your strength shine forth in my life. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I'm fully aware how, how this message of weakness, God, flies in the face of everything we hear so often in our culture. God, we live in a world that is that it's all about you be strong. You be strong. But Jesus, you're, you're actually saying, hey, it's in your weakness that, that the name of Jesus is going to be seen and that God's going to be strong in your behalf. And so, Father, I, I pray this morning that, that, God, that truth would just bring, God, would it bring strength and encouragement to somebody in the room this morning? God, I, I know there are, are, are those in the room that are, just trying so hard in life to be strong. There's, there's that mom who's just trying to be super mom and it's just exhausting and wearing her down. The dad that's just trying to be super dad or God, that student that's just trying to be just super student. That other person who's just trying to, just trying to be that super coworker, just, just trying, 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 trying. And God, it's just exhausting. God, that's not actually how you ask us to live. God, you ask us to live from a place of, of need, a place of needing you. So, Father, I pray that that would bring encouragement this morning. And God, I pray for the person here this morning that, that Lord, when we're talking about a place of weakness, Lord, they don't, they don't need to ponder to figure out what that place is because, God, it's just right in front of them, and they, they know what their place of weakness is. And, God, I pray that this morning there would just be a, 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 a new uh, approach to that weakness. God, where they, they don't try to muscle their way through that as much as they, they come to you, Jesus, and they say, Lord, I need your help. I am weak. I'm vulnerable. I can't do it on my own. And then, God, as they do that, Lord, I pray that you would come through, and that, God, you would show yourself strong. God, in the same way that you did for the Israelites, God, may they be able to sing that song, God is the strength of my life. God, it, it, he's, he is my strong talent. God, show yourself strong on our behalf, I pray. And Lord, I pray that, Jesus, you would be the hero of our story. 
be the hero of our story. God, not just on an individual level, but God as a church, Lord, would you be the hero. At the end of the day, would people look up and see the glorious, the beautiful, majestic, powerful name of Jesus. God, I pray all this in your awesome name. Amen. Amen.